Welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War Game. I'm your host, Paul, and um, I don't know. I just have to scratch my nose. I, uh, I'm Kevin, a.k.a. Chops, and I both love and hate Games Workshop. And this is Potter, and as usual, I will just be the blunt of everybody's jokes here today. <laughs> I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> We've been doing this for like a year now. I, I've run out of ideas. I'm not witty. Did you ever have one in the first place? That's the that's the problem, see, right? See, see, see. All right, we're starting off to a good start right here. <laughs> I am here for your comedic humor. Well, good. At least you're here for something. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Next ten minutes, you'll just hear. For you snoring, I thought that was because of of the teeth. No, no, no. No, the the not, Motrin, not the, the, IB, the ibuprofen is in full swing. Uh, I'm I'm good. Awesome. That sounds like fun. I can't I, believe I they I only sh- gave you Motrin. They didn't give me anything. This is my stuff for my house. Actually, my girlfriend wow. was nice enough to leave her pill bottle here for me. Wow, that's kind of very kind of her. Yeah, she left the whole bottle. So, wow. We'll be I guess, I guess she's we'll, got any left. I guess we like her. I guess she's yeah. okay. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I know we could talk about things that we've done since the last time, but since we had to redo the last episode, uh, it's kind of the same time. I built three gene stealer cultists. Hey. Nice. Okay, I see. That's what I was going to ask is what were you guys doing while we recorded last week's episode? Uh, I built. Yeah, there, there you go. There you go. Uh, hobby progress. I uh, built the. Uh, the Phobius Armor Captain and the Phobius Armor Lieutenant from Shadespire. Or Shade, not Shadespire, uh, Shadowsphere. Shadespire. Shadespire. So for okay. anybody who listened to the last episode, be amazed that I did all that talking and I built three Gene Stealer, Gene Stealer cultists and I didn't talk about them really the whole time in the episode. Yep. Yeah, that's the... That's Briefly a, mentioned them. The, the beauty of what Chops and Chris do, I can't talk and paint i don't know why most of the time well this is why i'm the brunt of the joke because i just don't pay attention and then you know i get lost well i can't paint and talk but i can build models and talk yeah that's true that is that is a little bit easier than actually painting i guess yeah especially if you're not building like these are like these are five part gw kits right leg body head and arms (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right, well, yeah, that's not so bad. Yeah, they're, they're maybe the best basic kits that they've ever made, though. I think they're they're definitely in the age of digital sculpting because the sprues are so tightly packed with bits. Um, but they're also still, um, like, remarkably interchangeable and kit bashy. Like, part of me really wants to, like, save a lot of these bits for other conversions because it looks like you could do some cool stuff with them like i might be able to go get some like like a cadian kit and then bash some of these like third generation gene stealer arms and shit onto them and then make them look like imperial guard gene stealer cults that would be pretty neat yeah i think there's already a kit that maybe does that but that's just it looks like you could kit bash these together with some cool stuff well, it's, it's always good to use all the pieces, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And like I've built all 10 of these and there's a ton of shit left on the frames, like all sorts of weapons and stuff. So that's kind of neat. Potter, what'd you do while we recorded the last episode? I, t- I told you I, I built the, built the, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. The, that's right. The, Phobos. But I mean, I have a, I have a box of brand new, uh, primaris intercessors sitting right next to me that are, are waiting to be built um i'm just i'm again like i, I talked about I, i'm trying to go with a very roman theme with these so um i'm debating on whether i'm going to put singillums on every single marine or if i'm just going to do it for like lieutenants and, and sergeants and hero models um so that way it looks you know they're a little bit more unique and standout-ish, but uh, I mean I've I've went out and looked on ways to make uh, helmet crests for my sergeants and stuff like that too, so that way I'm not using the same rehashed GW Ultramarine kit over and over and over again. 
Well, that's part of the challenge, right? Is to make it look new and interesting as you do it. Yeah, um, I've looked at a couple of the Pop Goes the Monkey uh, 3D print shop stuff. Uh, so I've bookmarked a bunch of his stuff too to try and get some unique elements to it as well. So I'm, I'm hoping hoping we'll have something pretty unique come out of this. But I'm waiting to build this kit till I figure out what I'm going to do. Awesome. I, I I have to admit I'm I'm pretty impressed with your your dedication to kit bashing some of this some of this army that you're doing because. That just that that's like one of those things that just I, I have no interest in. Well, you and I have talked about that before, like you know where I will sit and I will build tons and tons and tons of models, but I'll never get them painted. And, and you know the joke is that I don't pay my models. But the thing is, is what I really love about this hobby is actually building the models and then playing the game. Like even though I enjoy painting and I feel like I'm a pretty decent painter um, when I actually sit down to go and do it. Uh, my my purest enjoyment is building models, and this customized uh, Ultramarine army that I've been trying wanting to do. This is something I've been wanting to do since I was I was twenty, you know, back in fourth edition, forty k. So I mean, this has been a long time goal of mine to do. So, right, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like I pretty I, I wish, awesome. but. You know, it's 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 interesting though, uh, thinking about that because uh, when I had Legos as a kid, I would only build what was on the box. See, you gotta you gotta go outside the box, man. Yeah, but I never had interest in that. Like, like even even years later, when I gave all those Legos to my kid and she started tearing them apart to build new things, it it kind of hurt me. Is is that weird? I don't think no. so. I don't. I actually don't, I don't think, think that's so. weird. I just don't subscribe to that. But I don't <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't either. It's like, you know, I gave my four-year-old my all my old toys that I kept from when I was a kid, and he, like, one of his favorite things to play with is my old Mighty Max set, and he definitely doesn't use it the same way I used to. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, and it was weird too because as she was like tearing into him, I was like, I'm never going to be able to figure out these pieces. I don't have the instructions. And I'm like, wait, it doesn't matter. It's not mine. Yeah, it's not yours anymore. Yeah. So get over it, weird. old man. Yeah. Hey, get off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, so I can't was, wait to that... turn into that man. <laughs> I can't, wait, can't to wait to yell at kids. I can't wait to yell at kids that are on my lawn. I can't wait to be Dude, an old man. You, 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 you can just start doing it. Like, like there's no age requirement for that. You I don't have a lawn. I rent. I live in an apartment. I don't have a lawn. That makes it so more you go, fun. Go out on the lawn. Yeah, you go down to like the quad. Yeah, you go down to like where you know wherever the grass is, and you know when yeah, the kids start Paul, coming out. Paul, you've been to my apartment complex. I might get shot if I do that. <laughs> we all know that well, I think the people that live up up above me are drug dealers. I I don't think that's a think. I think that's a that's a for that's sure. a for sure. Yeah, that's a for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure as well. So we're doing a lot of digressing right now into uh, weird things, um, but let's 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 start going on to um, what we what we wanted to talk about because as we uh, as we've gone on and and done this podcast, our our recording has gotten a little bit better, I would say, than than where we started off our our audio. And a couple of weeks ago, Chops and I were both on the wild west exodus page and somebody was asking if there were any podcasts and you know for a new player and i was linking him our uh original episode where we talked about wild west exodus and then i hit play on it and realized that it sounds like shit dog shit and like complete and total shit so yeah so i figured we uh it would be interesting to go back and talk about wild west exodus and uh actually have a half decent sound quality to it all right well i don't play wild west exodus paul so yeah and you gotta gotta there's there's a problem yeah that that is a problem because who is the one who brought wild west exodus to our attention i don't know was it me it was probably it was you it was was you it was was definitely (laughs) just kidding i knew it was me the whole time (laughs) (laughs) yeah meddling kids uh but yeah, so so Chops brought Wild West Exodus to our attention, and I absolutely fell in love with the game pretty much immediately. 
and it's it basically at this point it's the only thing I really am interested in playing other than Star Wars stuff. I was about to say don't I was like that's not true. Oh yeah yeah I mean other than other than Star Wars it's it's kind of uh, my my main focus. So, so that's true. um what were you gonna say, Chops? Oh, I was just gonna—I was gonna say. That being said, um, let's let, do, do do me a favor here and uh, imagine a jaded GW player or a jaded Privateer Plus player that's at the end of their rope and they're looking for a new game and they've never really—you know—they maybe have tried Kill Team. They're kind of looking into the whole skirmish. Uh, the skirmish trend. I think this is a real person, right? This person really exists. It's out there moving from mass battle games and they're, they're kind of dipping their toe in the water for skirmish games. What's your, uh, what's your like five minute story, not even elevator pitch. What's your like just above elevator pitch to sell this person on why wild West Exodus is this skirmish game. They should be playing in, you know, in the morass of skirmish games that are available uh, to the to the gamer right now because there are a lot of good ones. There are, and that and that's that's what's amazing is that the the skirmish game, the skirmish level game is is getting uh, it's quite huge right now. Dense, yeah. And so all of them have to have something that makes them stand out, or else they're just going to get eaten alive, right? We, you know, some some games just kind of come out and disappear because their unique things aren't actually interesting. Good enough, yep. Yeah, and and Wild West Exodus, one of the one of the reasons why it is so good is because it has a couple of things that you don't see in other games. And and you know what? I'm I'm not even going elevator pitch here, chops. I'm just gonna jump in because I don't feel like you can explain some of this stuff and then walk away from it without talking about it. That's fine. Um so one of the one of the big things right off the bat is the idea of the action deck and the uh, adventure deck which are two things that you're not seeing in other games in any way, shape or form that I'm aware. Of. So let's, let's talk action deck right off the bat. So with the action deck is um, it's a, it's a tiny deck of cards and each one of those cards has an action point number on it. And it ranges from one to five. So you're, and when you're activating a model, you're drawing one of those cards, and that's how many action points the model gets to spend during their turn. Okay. And and one of the, one of the things that I think this really does is it gives you a little bit of a fog of war effect, right? Because you might need to activate somebody or feel like you need to activate somebody before you know maybe before they die or before they get into a bad situation, or you want to send your big gun in to take out an important model on on the other uh, you know of the opponents. And you pull a low number, you've got to reassess your uh, decision making at that point. So it, it creates that it creates the fog of war. Other games like Malifaux, um, you have a, a set number of action points that each model can do. So there's a set number of, of things like Malifaux. It's two AP, two action points for uh, most of your models and three for your masters. So this this throws in that variety. And I think one of the things that this really ends up doing, other than than forcing you to make tactical decisions, is it actually is a elegant solution to activation control. Explain. When you play games like Malifaux, as soon as you get to a point where one side is maybe having a significant number of models, uh, or even sometimes it's just a few models, you really start to feel like you are being outnumbered and that you're there's not much you can do because your opponent just has more options available to them because of those action. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this game with the random number of action points that you're drawing, it changes that, right? So if you're kind of behind, but your opponent pulls a one or a two, they're not going to be able to do all the things that they wanted to do or thought they could do at, at that moment. Right. So that, that is cool. Cause it basically, it may, and it, it makes you deal with decisions in the moment rather than being able to pre-plan out your activations. Right. Correct. And, and mm -hmm. that's just it is that, you know, talking, talking to our friend, Jesse, who, who's played a lot of different games, but has ac actually just fallen in love with Wild West Exodus. That's one of his, his things that he says he likes about the game is that you can plan ahead, but you're never locked into what you want to do. Right. It's not Correct. like, 
It's not like War Machine where at the beginning of your turn, you're handing out all your focus. Yeah. And and you're kind of locked into the decisions you made before before your turn started. You don't ever get into that situation in Wild West Exodus because of that. So you're you're more you're more making those decisions on the fly, which is really great because I, you know, as I've said a billion times, I like making tactical decisions during a game. So to me, it's it's just a, an absolute sweet spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I was that's I mean, before you brought up Jesse's parallel, that's exactly what I was going to say. It was like you can you, you can prep your turn to a certain extent to you like and, and even if you don't get the card draw that you want, you know, for the plan that you have, you, you still are able to be able to pull some of these things off that you wanted to. You may just have to enhance it with um with the cards that are in your hand you know so uh, and i know we, i may be jumping ahead of you paul where you're going because they're not anywhere focused on the action deck but how you can supplement the action deck uh is you know the other cards that you get to draw that are in your hand which are where you can either do one of two things you have to make a strategic choice of either enhancing your gameplay by giving your guys more action points um or use those for extra victory point conditions uh, so, you know, you, you can do that and that's where a little bit more of the, the strategic, uh, level comes into it of, okay, do I really want this to happen this turn? If I do, I got to play these cards, but now I'm also giving up potentially these victory points right here. So, and, and that adds a whole other level to the game that, that I really enjoy because it's, it's, it's not like, it's not linear. It's like you were saying, like, like War Machine, you're very much playing a chess game in that moment where you're pre-planning, you're anticipating your opponent's moves, and you're executing. Whereas this is like, there's a whole other level that you have to play on up here because your opponent may have a bunch of cards in their hand that may just screw you over for what you're trying to do because they may just get a ton of extra action points and they just like, you're done. You know, it's it's it throws that wrench in there that makes that game a different and unique every single time you play. Yeah. And and so let's let's take a step back, give some background on what you're talking about. What, but what Chris is, is talking about is the other deck of cards that you use to play the game, which is called your adventure deck. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name of it. Yep. Yep. Nice and simple. Right. Adventure deck. Um, uh, also, most a lot of people will refer to it as your guts and glory deck, because that's what the two different sides of the cards are. And and that's probably one of the more interesting things about it as well, is that there's two sides to the card. There's a gut side and a glory side. The glory side is a way to score a point. And this is outside of whatever adventure you might be playing. So you have your, your built-in scenarios, but you're also getting ways to score points off of these glory cards. And, and they all trigger by a different event in the game, like activating a boss model and getting them to within six inches of the center of the table or into your enemy deployment zone or say killing a certain unit type, killing a hands unit, either in melee or using a ranged attack. So there's all different kinds of ways to get points. And depending on what type of a faction you have, you might be able to look at them and say, yeah, I can definitely score that point. You might be behind on the scenario that you're playing, but these can keep you in the game. The challenge, though, is that there's the other side of the card, which is the gut side. The gut side allows you to do more with your model. If you think about, you know, making a gutsy move would be your best way to, to think about the gut side of the card. So for some of them, they might be giving you more action points. I know we haven't gotten into fortune yet, but it, it can help you refill your fortune on models. So this way they right. can, again, do more things. And and that leads you in the decision-making tree of, okay, which side of this card is going to benefit me? Scoring a point or being able to do more on one of my turns? Yeah, that, for a long time for me, that was a frustration level point for me with the game because I couldn't really, I just, I just couldn't wrap my head around all of that. But, but once I did, I mean, it, it really opened up the breadth of this game. Like I, I, the reason why I like it so much is because it, it, it brings in a lot of levels of. And this may go back to your point with Charles of like trying to get that selling point. Like it combines what I love of War Machine. It combines what I love of Games Workshop. It combines what I love about Malifaux. And it pulls it all together in, in one game with different mechanics. And it it works. And it's a ton of fun. And so I, I get the feel of – like that's why I never felt the itch of going back and playing Malifaux because – I got it with with Wild West Exodus. Like I never felt like I needed to go back and play Malfo. I never felt that I needed to go beta test ME3 because 
I felt like I was playing it with Wild West and was and purely really enjoying it. I mean, that's a that's a heavy endorsement. Yeah, and that's and that's just the unique uh, aspect of the game, right? Having the the adventure deck and the the guts and glory deck or the uh, action deck as well. That's not even getting into your your basic mechanics of the game, right? Yeah. And the mechanics, and and this is something that I tell people because when when uh, this game was originally in beta, I I took a moment and looked at the rule book because we had some people here who were interested in it and were you know were playing the first edition. I looked at it and I said, nope, not playing this game, like instant. And that was simply because of the amount of special and common rules. And the thing with that was that at the time we were, I was looking a lot at Infinity. And so the breadth of, of common rules in Infinity kind of turned me off to the concept of common rules in general just because there are so many of them in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think I played like, what, one, maybe two games of Infinity and I've never played it again because it was, because of that. You know, and then when you when you were showing me Wild West Exodus, you're like, well, here's this card that's got these special rules on it. Here's this card that's got these special. I mean, like, my brain turned off. I mean, because... Yeah. Yes, it doesn't have nearly the amount that Infinity has. And the nice thing that they've done with Wild West Exodus is the fact that the common rules that are for the weapons within the themes, it's typically the same common rule within the theme. So if you're playing one faction, you're playing within one theme of a faction, those common rules are usually found on every single one of the models. So you really don't have to memorize every single one. But I will say it would be nice if in the future they would take these common rules and just put them on the cards of the model. I would really enjoy that. That would make it easier and simpler for me instead of having to tote around five cards that had common rules for weapons and abilities. Just saying. I will say that as a negative for me at my level. Oh, yeah. I mean, which is which is understandable. One of the things that I didn't appreciate until actually playing the game was the fact that even though there are a lot of these common roles that you see, and I think there's probably about 20 of them, which again, I know we compare it to Infinity. That's nothing that I think Infinity has 20 different types of camouflage. It just amazes me the fact that it's so intuitive to use them once you start playing with them and start to understand, which is not something that you can say about a lot of games is that even though there is kind of that bulk to it, and I do, I warn people when they're playing the game or or looking at it at first, there is a bulkiness to the rule set. But once you start playing it, it is amazingly intuitive and, and fairly easy to learn. And I think that's the only thing that keeps me interested is knowing that the learning curve isn't quite as sharp as uh, other games in this vein. Yeah, and and it's really not. And and part of the reason for that is that the core mechanics are really straightforward. There's there's lots of places where they've taken, uh, I guess, issues that other war games have and managed to make them straightforward. For instance cover cover is super easy to use in wild west exodus if you're shooting at something and there's a piece of cover in the way you're minus one to hit mm-hmm. that's simple i i was gonna i was gonna touch on the cover because it cover in this gaming system is one of my absolute favorite i i i think i was playing Le- star wars legion the other day and i literally was incorporating the wild west exodus cover mechanics into it and it's just because to me it's intuitive it, it makes sense like it's how they've done terrain like this one this one this one you have three pieces in, uh, of terrain in the in between you and the person you're firing at those are going to somehow impede in how you're going to hit that person they should all three pieces of, of terrain should be encountered and it's literally just minus one plus one for each piece of terrain and it's yep. it's super simple Minus one to your your aim stat and plus one to your save stat, which is a grit in this game. Yeah, it's um, simple. Yeah, it's 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 just almost disturbingly simple because how many games have tried to do complicated cover things and it becomes frustrating, right? Forty k forty k comes to mind. Yeah, exactly. Forty k for years had horrible cover systems. This one is just so simple. It's like you kind of want to hit yourself in the forehead you know, with their hand and go, why didn't people think of this sooner? Just because it is so, so easy to, to use. Um, and that's, and that's part of it is that the core mechanics are simple. Every single one of the checks that you're making in the game has a target number. And instead of a million different target numbers or having to reference a target number, every target number you need is 10. That's what you always need. Yeah. That's a pretty cool thing is knowing that you need 10. 
And then you just basically add your roll to your stat. Yep. Yep. Add mm-hmm. your roll to your stat. And if you get to 10, it's successful. It's that simple. Yeah. For, for me, it's so going from GW to War Machine back in War Machine first edition, like going from having to memorize this table and this chart and just going and like playing, going to uh, War Machine and go, okay, cool. It's just your armor is this. I just subtract the value of what I rolled. That was very simple to me. This just took that and cranked it up to 11 because it's even that much more simple. Or did it crank it down to 10? Oh, God. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, right? So, I mean, it's it's so simple, right? Amazingly simple right off the bat as far as as far as that simple mechanic and it's a d10 system right so you know you're gonna get to 10 eventually (laughs) the 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 other interesting thing as far as as dice since we're talking about them is is the importance of critical successes and critical failures uh because Mm -hmm. every model is a one wound model very much like the other side Regardless of how big or how scary the model is, it has one wound. You could have spent 400 points on a one wound model, or you spent 130 points on a one wound model. Either way, they have one wound. Where was I going with that? Fuck. <laughs> Probably into some of the common rules, like uh, yeah, we like can we can take it there. I don't think that's stuff. where. I think I was just I think I was just kind of going with the fact that ease of use and that you don't, you don't need you don't, you don't, you don't, don't need have markers. To track yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's there's nothing to track as far as wounds, just because everybody has the one wound, which is a great thing about other side as well, is that you're not dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, you just have to track your. You just have to track your conditions. Yeah, and and there's tokens for that. Yeah, there's tokens for it, and there's what five? Not even five. Can, four? Is it four? Met, uh, disorder, hunkered, hazard. Oh yeah, there's. I'm I'm not I'm not including the positive conditions, the two positive conditions. Yeah, so hunkered, hunkered is a positive condition. Uh, what's the other positive condition that I'm missing? On the lookout. Thank you. On the lookout. Thank you. So I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, that's pretty much all you're tracking. And you know, again, this is one of those things where luckily every faction has the same thing that they're monitoring and, and they're looking for. You know, it's it's not this thing where it's like this faction has these keywords with these abilities that mean this thing. You know, this faction has these keywords and these things that they mean something else completely different. It's hazard is hazard, metal is metal. Doesn't matter who you are. It's very super simple to to keep track of across the entire game. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of the neat thing about um, the condition hazard is that it fits into so many other things that in other war games would have been a different condition. You're set on fire. You're just a hazard. You're poisoned, you're just a hazard, right? So so it streamlines a lot of that. So you're only worrying about one effect instead of four, five different ones that could could essentially function the same way. Um, so again, streamlining some of those those basic mechanics of the game makes it play really fast and really intense. Let's bring that around to something we talked a lot about with Star Wars Legion, and let's talk about thematic gameplay. Mm-hmm. The game is amazingly thematic if you're thinking about it being a shootout in the Wild West. Which it should be. Right, exactly. And they did such a good job of creating that feel in the game because of all the different ways your models can can interact, right? So some models have an ability called Quick in the Dead, where if they're getting shot at, they can they can roll a, a, a check for their, their speed stat, basically. And if they're successful, they're dodging some attacks right so they're they're, it, get, they're hunkering down they you know with, with the new rules because thank god they've changed them and the, the new rule set for it is um, so much better it, and and it is a lot more thematic because before it never really made sense to me how they were doing it because it was just basically like cool i passed my speed check all i just all your attacks just miss me like now it's cool i passed my speed check I'm hunkered down and covered because my ass got down and rolled on into the freaking uh, barrel over here so you wouldn't shoot me Right, exactly. And and what's again what's thematic about that too is that it only if you have a, a unit of multiple guys shooting at you, it only stops the shots from the first guys or the first yep. guy to shoot at you because the rest of them now know where you went. You know, you're you're now hiding behind a barrel or, or whatever you wanna you wanna imagine in your, your brain. And so the rest of the guys can easily shoot at you and, and you don't get that that essentially that drop on them for your own safety. Right. Well, yeah, and it's like in the on lookout. Like, you know, for me, it's it's imagining that old West film where, you know, the bad guys are coming into town. You've taken up your position. You know, you're sitting on the top of the of the of the saloon there. 
and you've got your rifle out and you know you're you're being able to shoot real quick right before the bad guy sees you and shoots you you know that's that's one cool thing about it again so like yeah thematic gaming uh all across the rule set uh i don't know if it's as thematic as star wars legion but it is still very very thematic and it's enjoyable especially when you're thinking about it in those within those mindsets of that of those old west films yeah it, it it very easily becomes a movie in your head and if you like that when you're gaming this would definitely be something you should be interested in uh, because it, it does come out so strong. And even the themes between the different factions, which is kind of interesting because when I, when I first started playing the game, I wasn't sure because of the common rules, it was kind of hard to see how factions were different. I still have a hard time. Yeah. And it's not until you really start playing with them and starting to see how combining different common rules is actually what gives that flavor to each of the factions. Would you agree with that, Chris? Um, I think that's something that you're, I think I'm more on chops's level when it comes to that level with the common rules uh, of trying to figure that. I mean, again, like I said, you know, before, like when I was playing Jesse James, when I was playing outlaws, like pretty much everybody had close work and revolver fan because you know, they're highwaymen. So they've all got their revolvers. They're all going out there, you know, throwing back the hammer on, on the gun, you know, so that kind of like, I can see it from that sense, but there, that's not unique to outlaws, though. You know, other factions have that as well. lawmen have that. Um, you know, even to some level, watchers have that with some of their guys. They have close work on some of their their weapons. So, from a thematic standpoint, I think it makes sense in some of the factions when you're looking at it. But it, it's since it's across so much, and there's things when you throw in the aliens that make it so out there that that close work loses that feel of like you know just a guy sitting there throwing back the hammer six times on the with his with his other hand uh, his offhand. You know that's where some of the theming goes out the window for me with it comes to that kind of stuff. But I can see it when I'm looking at it just at this faction. I can see it at that level. Yeah, and and that's just it is a lot of it becomes the combination of common rules, not just the ones that are individuals. Because as I play Warrior Nation, right, a lot of the common rules that they end up with have to do with quick movement and speed, ignoring rough terrain or or all of them. All of them have quick in the dead if they're not a hands unit. Um, target priority. So all of those things are, are combining to give you this feel of quick moving, stealthy guy. So it's it's not yeah. just it like and that's part of it is that that you really kind of got to see the overall picture of, of how those common rules combine to create that flavor. Well, I mean, but the, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you know, outlaws have the exact same thing. All my non-hands units have metal. All my non-hands units have quick in the dead, with the exception of a cute couple of face models that do or don't. But for the most part, all outlaw faces have metal. All outlaw faces have quick in the dead. You know, so they have a lot of those same thing too. I mean, yeah, I don't have things like Trailfinder, which I right. think for 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 your faction, you know, is. You know, that's very unique and something I will say that specific rule for your faction because I haven't seen – now, again, my, my play is very limited to you, to Jesse, um, sure. you know, and to, and to Plunge who are playing factions. You know, you're the only faction – you're playing the only faction that I've played against right now with Trailfinder in it. So for me, that's very unique. Not saying mm -hmm. that that doesn't exist in another faction. I'm just not educated enough to say that because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the type of player that goes out there and reads all the rules for the other stuff. Uh, I just I don't read the other faction of stuff. I, don't I was going to say you could you could you could stop at that sentence where you said I'm not the type of player that reads rules. Yeah, that's true too. There. You know, um, we're going to make a t-shirt shop. That's going to be a shirt. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, and and that's what I mean. You know, it's kind of those those combinations. But I think so. Let's let's talk about metal real quick, uh, just because mm -hmm. that's kind of your your bonus uh, wound for being a, a face or or a boss. So basically, if you have this rule called metal, it means that when you take your wound, instead of dying, you get a condition called disordered, um, which means that on your turn, you can't do as much because you're, you're hurting. Um, but it gives you that opportunity to have uh, more, more wounds. And there's a couple different ways that they do that. But the most common one is metal. And that's, that's kind of more, uh, you know, thematic wise, that's kind of a little more into uh, uh, 
you know, just the toughness of, of that person. So you, you do see that one a lot, but as, as you get away from kind of your more basic humans, like outlaws or, or warrior nation, you do start to see, uh, less of the metal and some of the more interesting ways of, of getting around that, like being able to be stunned instead of disordered and, and, and that type of thing. So as, as, as you see more things, it, it kind of changes a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like the hex, they've got, you know, their ways of dealing with it because a lot of them are, you know, kind of big monstrosities. So the, the way that they deal with things is very different than, you know, how the average human lawman like Wyatt Earp or Jesse James would, would deal with things. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's or, where, you know, you, walks on water. Yeah, walks looking, and that's where that's where you can see a lot of that. So yeah, so the game does end up being quite thematic, which is always fun and exciting. Did I miss anything, Chris, that you think, uh, or even chops that you know of, as far as core mechanics that are essential that I missed talking about? No, I mean I, I think you covered. I mean for me, the the biggest one was the way that the way that terrain works was the biggest thing for me. Um, obviously, combat is very you know very very simplistic mindset. You know, you've got a name, you've got a fight. You take that, you get it to ten, you hit. Simple. Yeah, see, and, you, and, and, and maybe that's the maybe that's part of what we're missing is that you don't need to look at your opponent's stat to know what you need to hit them, right? You just yeah, you don't. You just look at your own. You know, you know what your aim or fight is, and you roll that dice. And as long as yeah. those two numbers add up to ten, you're good to go. Oh no, we are missing a big piece that, that makes this game so neat. Fortune. Fortune is a huge piece of this game. I knew we were missing something. <laughs> I mean, fortune. it's like the, that's like the basis of this game, <laughs> right? What is fortune, Chris? So fortune is something that the you'll have, all of your bosses have, with the exception of I want to say that there is actually a boss out there that doesn't have fortune. But essentially, it's it's basically it's to me what I look at it is it's your luck value. How lucky is your boss? And essentially, you can. This, you you they're represented by however you want to each boss has a specific amount typically it's usually three sometimes you'll see bosses with four i think in some extreme circumstances i think there's somebody out there with a five but that's a very unique you don't usually see them that high mm-hmm. um and then some of your faces uh have them as well too like uh for outlaws because of the fact that outlaws are very much a a face heavy faction where you have like because outlaws are very unique characters you know you've got billy billy the kid you've got the apache kids you've got a a lot of other different characters throughout history and that's one of the things i love about this game too from a theming standpoint they take real you know historical figures and they put them into this game in this in this setting so which is really interesting and kind of fun but these fortune ships can be used to uh change the outcome of something so you know jesse james he's got a aim of a seven um i've got three pieces of terrain in 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 front of me so i'm going to use my fortune chip to focus um so which allows me to get plus two to my next action so it doesn't matter what it is it could be a move it could be a charge it could be a fight it could be a shooting action you just get plus two to your next action and again with simplicity it's plus two right plus two unless you have a a core rule called prodigious which certain characters have, and you have other unique ways with uh, your your posse themes and stuff like that that can give you that uh, prodigious, which makes your uh, focus checks a three. So, but say you know, so Jesse's got two pieces of terrain in my way, or ter- terrain in the target in the way of the target I'm shooting at. So now I'm down to a five because I was at a seven aim. Now I'm down to five because minus two for two pieces of terrain. I focus. I'm back to a seven. So it's ways for you to modify that. Um, it's ways for you to get rid of disorder. Or any other conditions that might be on you, um, you can use it to uh, your your posse can use it to buff bonus them, buff themselves up because you know they're inspired by their boss, so they're using their boss's fortune. Um, and to me, when you lose these fortunes, I mean this is where your army starts falling apart because it's such a core piece of the gameplay of it, and, and being able to strategically utilize it and as someone that went from a very fortune heavy faction i was playing outlaws and i've moved to watchers now watchers don't have a lot of fortune at all um it's it's very weird for me to play that faction right now because of the fact that i'm used to like every single one of my characters being able to do their own stuff and rely on themselves because they were these you know these these really powerful faces that were out there because that was what my army was built on now i'm going to this army that's built on my hands and my boss and not my faces 
you know, now I'm like, how do I play this? So it, it brings me into a different mindset, which I, I do like, you know, there's, it makes each one of these factions very unique and the fortune is such a huge component of this game. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, being able to, to choose when you're going to, to reroll uh, or increase your value to make a check. Um, again, it just, just gives you a lot of decision points that are, that, that feel good to make. You know, it's not like uh, hating to make the decision, but it, it still makes you think about how you're going to use it and when the best mm -hmm. time to use that fortune is, right? Because, and, and the other the other cool thing about fortune is that it comes back to the model at the end of their activation. So it's not like you have to wait until the end of the turn or, or, or some predetermined time. You get to decide when you're going to refill that fortune because you get to activate that model and they get it back at the end which also is nice because it encourages you to use that. Yeah, I mean, at the same level, it also goes, okay, cool, I've already used my boss's turn, which means his fortune's already refilled, but now I have my you know, my super clutch unit over here that needs to stay on this objective to take it, and they're just getting shot to hell, and I'm using my boss's fortune just to try and keep them alive. Now your boss has no way of him re-rolling, and now they're pretty much out of their shit out of luck next turn because now their fortune's gone too so like you, you you have to make those strategic decisions of like who you're going to use it on when you're going to use that focus because just because you get it back at the end of the turn if you went first with your boss you may be out for your next turn because you, you used it all to save somebody buff somebody or do something else yep yeah it, it can be a long time between that boss activating and when they're going to activate next and if and and you're right if they if you don't have fortune as a backup to reroll a bad roll, that's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's where you, you you end up seeing a lot of that issue. And because with one wound models, I mean, you want that fortune there to stay alive. Yep. Yeah, and and which is one of the one of the things that's very interesting when you when you watch people play the game is that sometimes a model is just going to end up being a tank. Mm -hmm. You know, they can they can fight hard and and not go down, and then all of a sudden you roll a one that you can't reroll and they're gone. I've had it happen. Turn one. <laughs> Lose a key piece like that and yeah. It happens, yeah, but rough. it's it, it oh yeah, it's 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 rough after that, you know. But that's it, the game is brutal. Things die fast in this game. Fast. It's true. Yeah, as, especially uh you know, if you have models with with low uh, save values, uh mm -hmm. it can make it make it a challenge to keep them alive. Chops, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Why aren't you playing? What keeps you from playing it other than people to play with? I think that is the thing. It's uh it's the like getting people interested in playing it locally, I think is the I honestly I I, I can say with uh absolute confidence that's what keeps me from playing it. Um I just don't really have a, a local community that I can get into the game. Um and I think if I did I would I would play it more. I think there's very little doubt. It has all of the components that I want in the game. Um, I mean, there's, there's even a faction I want to buy all the way into. So like, it, it's not a, yeah, that's always a bummer when it's a people issue. It's not a question of not having the desire to play it. It's just like having the people to play it with. Um, oh yeah. I don't mean like an issue like, yeah. And it's not that the people that I game with aren't great. They are this, you know, it's just not like it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a Malifaux centered crew or it's yeah. people that are playing, you know, 40K or Games Workshop games. And both of those groups are very hard to dislodge. Um, or or their or your newfound eating. Group. Well, the eating group, the e so Eden's an easy sell because a lot of us show up early to Malifaux. And those of us who show up early, it's not hard to get a game of Eden in in an hour. And that that's uh, like those are all the same people that are uh, that are playing Eden. Because Eden is just an amazingly simple game to play fast, um, and and, right. and Wild West Exodus feels more like a primary game. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like the game you play. Yeah, it very much it, is. It's definitely more of a primary game. It is, um, and that's not speaking ill of it, right? Like it, you guys haven't even talked about like it, you've talked about all these cool mechanics, and you haven't even hinted at how fucking rad the setting is. Like you kind of skirted around it. But like the fact that it's like a full blown like dystopian wild west with fucking weird steampunk and technology, it's so cool, man. And 
the like monstrous hex faction and like the enlightened faction where you've got you know the engineers of yesteryear sort of turned on the <laughs> Anne rand philosophy of like fuck people get money and they just like are in the absolute pursuit of knowledge and scientific discovery and and prosperity uh and and will stomp over menials to get it done um or or the you know what i mean like the mm-hmm. the like the hex monsters or the watcher aliens or you know the, the ones that i like that like super religious culty order that have like big mysterious looking armor and weird alien seeming tech like everything in the game is just dripping cool man like there's not a single faction where if you're like i play you know if someone who's like came in like what faction do you like and i'm like i like cool stuff I'm like well i that doesn't help because every faction is cool <laughs> <laughs> and and you're right all of them have something that's just absolutely neat and and yeah man and and the thing too is that like as as we've been playing more and in different stores, people always come over to look at the game. Yeah, we're never short on that. Everybody's always like, it's "What are you guys such playing?" Unique bases too, and like the model. It's like it's like Malifaux in that the models are very weird, right? Like they're not. They're not. They look different. The models look different than any other game. Like it, it has an aesthetic unto itself. Uh, and that does a lot for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the you you hit it, Charles, with like the bases because I mean these bases that they have it, it makes it feels like the game is designed for every single one of your models to be a centerpiece because it's it's, it's like these kind of like they, the the bases look like like little plinths or 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 uh, yeah, they're they're beveled plinths, every one of yeah, them. Yeah, and it, they look like they're they're supposed to be they're bases that you would make for a showpiece for entering into something like Golden Demon. And they may mm-hmm. it very much makes every single one of your models stand out. I mean even the hands, even just basic hand units, which are your fud fuds. But I mean that's a that's a that's a great point that it is it is designed that everybody on the table is is interesting looking. And you know, even even when your people aren't playing a big beastie, um, for I don't know for whatever reason, I don't maybe it's the cowboy hats or, or or what, but it just feels like people are always walking over and asking what's being played. And uh, well, I don't know that I, I remember many games where where that's a thing. Well, I think I think the cowboy hats are definitely a thing because of the fact that how many how many miniature games are out there that you could say of that you walk around and there's dudes out there in cowboy hats. It's not a lot. Yeah. The, the, Malifaux. I mean, Malifaux. Yeah, Malifaux. It, right? the, like, the theme. The, the, and it's, one, it's like literally one, it. two factions, right? It's like some guild, some, um, some outcast. outcast. Like, yeah, it, it's not, a, it's not a lot of miniatures that, that wear it. And here, yeah, you got like tons of cowboys, man. Every, almost like, most of the factions have some form or, fa- you know, facet of a cowboy or, or native American. Yeah. I mean, I love coming up and when, pe- and when people are like, well, what are you playing? Or like playing wild west Texas. Well, what's that? It's like, it's cowboys and aliens and Indians. What more do you need to know? <laughs> and, and as a person yeah. and you guys have heard it in our previous wild west uh, podcast, like I hate Westerns and Paul has got me so damn hooked to this game. It's not even funny. And I hate Westerns. I hate them. Well, this is like, you know, super special westerns because you have um you know lycanthropes and 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 you have all a kinds bear of monsters with a fucking gatling gun that's i true. know that's a model that, in this game. I, that is a fantastic selling point I've, is locust the bear with a i've got gun. i've got abraham lincoln who faked his death so he could go out and hunt native americans yeah that's pretty awesome too i've got I mean, not well, yeah, he, yeah, the, yeah. That, that's but, kind of yeah. horrible, actually. But you know, you've got you've got <laughs> Grant who survives the cutting off of his arm, and you know, comes out and goes and kills a bunch of people because the he put the Union so or not, uh, not Grant uh, Stonewall Jackson, you know, and and that yep. you know he's so pissed off at the Union now, and he gets a second chance. Like it's it's just cool. It's a cool setting. Yeah, taking taking a lot of those real life people and and making them interesting and fit into this game i mean i mean basically you, you tell people that stonewall jackson thing and and even the fact that you know stonewall jackson died because he had his arm cut off and got an infection basically and here he is with a mechanical arm in the game so they they kind of a lot of those uh 
historical things are are there. I actually kind of would have been pissed if they didn't give him a mechanical arm. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, since since mechanical arms are a thing, he should definitely have one. Yeah. And the, I mean, going back to the Union, thinking about Custer, right? Uh, he is so thematic because he has the most fortune out of anybody in the game. His his fortune number is eight, um, which I know we were talking earlier about really five eight? being extremely high. Is it? He's fortune eight. I did not know that. Holy shit. Yeah. He's fortune eight. But the thing is, is he is lacking a common rule that just about every other boss has, which is largesse which is his ability to share his fortune with his posse. At that level, it, I am okay with that. That's okay. So he he gets eight, but only he can use it, right? That's correct. fun. Correct. Yeah, which is which is very, very Custer. Now, if you take him in his theme faction, then he can hand it out to hands, but not everybody. So if he has, you know, a face or a big gribbly or a, a tank or something, they can't use his fortune. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, there are tanks in the game. Yeah, there are tanks and there's giant fire breathing eagles. The Native Americans, they get uh, they turn into some of their spirit animals. Yeah, which is really cool. Uh, giant elks. And, and now we're now we're just gushing about the, the models. And I, I think that's a, a good thing to do because the models are really fucking cool. Agree. Well made, well designed, you know, and, and some of the bigger ones that they're coming out with definitely stand out on the table. And are likely to just bring even more of that attention. Well, even even all the new stuff that's coming out at, since War Cradle has purchased the game, um, you know they're they're keeping to the aesthetic. They're keeping to the standard. These new models that are coming out with are are great, and they fit with everything that has come before them. They're doing a, their designers are doing a great job. Yeah, and and even even going back and just doing some touch ups on some old models and and re releasing them just to make them a little bit better. Um, you know, has been has been absolutely oh, amazing. Aren't all of the models old, or do they have War Cradle developed models now? Yeah, War Cradle's developed a lot of them. Like uh, Black, the legendary Blackjack, I want to say was a War Cradle specific model that they just created. A lot of your new Order models uh, are all War Cradle. Um, Krampus was War Cradle. Well, the the non Krampus version of it was older. Yeah, correct. So rules wise, there that that was around already. But yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm just talking about from a sculpt from a sculpt new. standpoint. Um, you know, uh, yeah. outlaws are getting a gyrocopter that's going to be War Cradle. Um, Nakano, I believe, is War Cradle as well too. I think she was the first War Cradle model made because uh, I think she was the first War Cradle ex- from an exclusive standpoint. I mean. You know, Warrior Nation's starting to get a lot of stuff now that is wasn't around in the first edition, um, like the Hunting Wolves and uh, Moon Swift, and uh, getting a whole posse that's going to be uh, flying based people slash demony looking kind of things. I, maybe not demony, but bird guys. It's gonna, it's gonna be your flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what what's really cool about that though is that there was always Alcon the the Sky Spirit who was a model in in first edition before War Cradle got it, but now they're building a whole whole posse box off of similar type of models. No, I mean they this it they're doing War Cradle's done a fantastic job. I will say some of their sneakier kind of rules updates has is a little daunting at times when they don't let us know that they're updating some rules because they don't have their app out yet. So that just means everybody has to now go out and reprint new cards. So that can be a little frustrating at times. There's a yearly big errata to cards and a yearly big errata to the rule book, uh, which we're 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 starting to to come around on. Uh, should be soon. But but they are I mean, they are focused to give them a positive. They are focused on making it a living game, updating rules, updating uh, conditions, updating uh, combos and, and synergies where they think see things are broken, see things need to be tweaked, see things that need to be enhanced. You know, they, they're doing a very good job. They're monitoring their game. They're monitoring the forums. Uh, they're monitoring their Facebook group to see what people are saying about the community. They're, they're, they're very interactive with their community. Uh, you know, I know Paul has gotten into many rules arguments with some of the, the game designers and, you know, because of these arguments, we've gotten things fixed that are broken because they were like, oh, you know what? You are right. And the the biggest one would be the AOE with uh, what was the condition that was associated with that you argued with them? Uh, it was brutal. 
uh, because brutal yeah. brutal adds an extra attack or yeah an extra hit, and so there was questions as to where those that extra hit goes or if everybody gets an extra hit. Um, so had to had to argue with a few people online about the way the rule book was written and what it was saying, and um, you know, ended I realized that at one point I was arguing the the way the rule book was written with one of the guys from from War Cradle. Uh, which was interesting because then they were like, oh, yeah, you're right. We'll change that next time so it functions the way we want it to. But that's that's important, right, and that they're that they're out there and they're they're listening to that. Is is it unfortunate that, you know, not everything's perfect? Sure. But, you know, one of the one of the things that I look at this is that, yes, this is technically second edition of Wild West Exodus, but it's really the first edition because the game was completely overhauled and and a new co- a new company in charge so getting getting some of those those things that are clear if you bring it up and there's an issue with it they'll they'll address it um so i, I i'm really looking forward to the next the the next rules version and and seeing some of these things changed because i feel like the community's put a lot of hard work into going hey this is this is kind of working a little funny it's a good game chops play it convince your buddies yeah, we're gonna get one of your buddies on Discord to get interested in this game and and get you playing it. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I mean, I've got the Red Oak starter thingy, so that's my goal. And and oh, you know, in the last episode we talked about Malifaux having a, a horrible starter set for M two E and how much better the the one is for the other side. Mm-hmm. The one for Wild West Exodus might be a perfect two-player starter. I think if it had two sets of uh, action and adventure decks, you'd be right. Yeah, you you might be right on that one. Because it's almost... The only thing that I don't like about it is that it's pretty much almost exact mirror. It is other. a mirror, but the thing is, that means that regard if you decide that you're going to play one of those two factions, if you're going to play Outlaws or Lawmen, you're going to be able to use everything in that box other than other than the boss in the face. Everything is completely usable out of them, um, you know, because I've bought, I have bought both versions of the starter sets for Outlaws, uh, the Jesse James starter set posse, the old one from first edition, as well as the Red Oak starter set. And I will tell you right now, every single model out of the Red Oak starter set from the Outlaw side was used in every single one of my games. Every single one of them says a whole lot about the quality of that. It's a it's a very versatile box. I mean, it's it's Jesse, it's it's a it's a Iron Horse, it's which is the motorcycles in the game. They're called Iron Horses. Uh, it's Frank James, who is key for Jesse James's posse. You have to have him. Um, you know, so it's it's crucial, critical units from the outlaw standpoint i've never looked at white herbs theme uh but i would assume that it's going to be the exact same again that's just it is that they all fit so well so i mean whatever you're getting in that that two-player starter if you're playing lawman or outlaw it is worthwhile to have that starter i mean you'll use it yeah and like i said i would just i, would, I just wish it had two sets of the action and adventure cards because it's almost like you have to just split them in half it's kind of weird I agree with that. Yeah, it it is kind of odd, but at the same time, it kind of adds a, another dynamic of ooh, who got the five, you know. And and the other thing too is that if you're playing at a smaller points value, you're going through less of them, so you don't necessarily need the full deck. Sure. If you're just shuffling and then giving half to one person and half to the other, like I said, it adds another randomness value. But you could probably go through and divide it evenly if you really wanted to. Sure. But yeah, so I mean, that's a that's a pretty uh succinct rundown of of some of the basics of this game that i am absolutely obsessed with yeah i mean it like i like i have always i mean i brought it to you guys because i was interested in it it's and it i think it would be a game that i would be wanting to play constantly if i could get people locally interested in it yeah and you know it 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 kind of sells itself at at some point too because it's one of those things like Malifaux, right? When you see people flipping the black joker or the red joker and you end up with kind of a community reaction at the table, whether it's people watching or or the people playing. Mm-hmm. You know, like yes, it sucks to flip the black joker, but at the same time you're like, Oh man, you know, and kind of commiserate. The same kind of stuff happens in Wild West Exodus, where you know you you roll that critical failure at an intense time, and it's like, oh man, and you know you kind of get behind the person because you know it's going to happen to you too. Mm-hmm. So it it kind of creates that that atmosphere of fun and excitement, uh, 
you know, at the table. And there's not a lot of games that can kind of bring you and your opponent together in that way. Uh, I think, I think Malifaux is really the only other one where the chance just, you know, the, the, the ways that you're, you're randomly deciding stuff can, can be fun even in failure. So I think, I think that's definitely a thing is that seeing, seeing people have as much fun as they have with it. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> I think we. I think we commit. We got. That was all I wanted play. to hear out of this show. Was at the end of it, chops go. God damn it! Now <laughs> I have to find somebody to play. With. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps that I have the models, and I have a four by four board, and I've got a pretty good Western board already. So it's just a matter of reading, reading and printing the current card, like reading the rules and printing the cards, and I can probably get someone to at least try it. Yeah, you you absolutely should because I guarantee you from what from what we've seen and and know of of the Wisconsin crew up there, uh, I think I think the game would be a hit. Yeah, I think I think people would definitely get in. Yeah, on it. I just I know that coming again coming with Malifaux Third Edition so close, it's going to be a tough sell. But it, every time I look at it and I read cards, I'm like, oh, this game is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they just released a, a new card today that was just absolutely a, a fascinating card uh, for Tom. What got released today? Ed? What's that? What got released today? I must they, have missed they, it. They showed a card for uh, Thomas Edison's daughter. Oh, yeah. I saw you guys talking about that in Discord. I just I was so busy at work today. I couldn't keep up with it. Yeah, absolutely fascinating card with her. Her melee output is absolutely insane. Um, so going back to common rules, she has a, she has a rule called murderous, which basically means that for every successful melee hit, you get a second hit. Um, and she's got a, when she makes an attack, she rolls two dice. So she gets two of those. And then, uh, that would actually be four hits on two successes. And she's got a lethal built in, which means that any successful grit checks or saves are automatically re-rolled. And then she has another ability, which is called decapitate on, on a successful crit. Uh, so she rolls a 10, she adds decapitate to that, which you re-roll successful grits. But since you already are doing that, then it gives you another hit instead. So if she hits on both and crits on any of them, she's getting five hits. Barf. Yeah. Barf. Yeah. And so some of the some of the discussion that some people started getting into was, is she too good for her points cost, which is, I think, 140 points or whatever. But she's only rocking a, a save of a five. So I think that's really your balancing issue there right that is really that is a really low grit for the game yeah yeah if you're if you're five or less there's a good chance that you're gonna die i mean now she she does have moving target and a quick uh, and a speed of seven so as long as she moves the her full distance she can you know re-roll aim or attacks against her so it's it, seems good. Yeah, she's 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 actually very interesting. I, I, some people were saying, oh, this is power creep, but I, I don't think it's power creep. I think she's just really good for her points cost and, and very focused in what she's doing, which is getting to you and hitting you hard. But yeah, so I mean, that was that was kind of fun to see that today and, and seeing some of those uh, uh, just where some of these new models that are being developed are, are going. So, but yeah, chops, you need to get into it because you'll love it. Teach Ella. She'll play it. Sure. But, uh, yeah, let's, it's getting late and I think chops is going to fall asleep and I'm tired. Potter's teeth probably hurt. And, uh, my wife's probably going, where the fuck are you? Um, so chops, let's go with you first. Uh, final thoughts. Wild West Exodus. Oh, I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a common theme for some reason, and I don't know why. I know. Everybody tells me that they hate that I make them want to spend money. Uh, Chris, how about you? Final thoughts, Wild West Exodus. Uh, I hate you because now I want to play, and I, I want to play Legion. Wednesday. I'll play some Wild Dude. West Exodus with you. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully this Wednesday my teeth won't be killing me so I can actually uh, I can actually stick around and play. Yeah, that would be good. Um, and for my final thought is Wild West Exodus is amazing and you should be playing it. Absolutely. But uh, join us on our Discord. Link is in the de- in the description of the show. Uh, check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash three men in a war game. You can find us on all social medias. It's three men in a war game. It's a number, not the word. Thanks to Static as a City for the music that you hear at the top and bottom of the show they rock uh, or i guess they rocked um but they are on spotify so you spotify listeners 
go listen to them. But other than that, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. It's working. It's working. Now this is podcasting.